a very small percentage that sticks versus those that come through. You know, I, I was listening to a minister several years ago, pastors a church in South Carolina, has probably 15,000 member church. But, you know, he said last year we had 30,000 people come through the door. <laughs> so, you know, at, at any stage, at any level, um, you always have that. But what I pray about and what I concern myself with is those that have stuck and those that are here and those that have said we're continuing on, we're going to find our fit with the vision and go forward. And that's really all you can do as a pastor. That's all you can do in life. Well, there's some of us individually, we've had people come and go through our lives. You, you may have best friends that are no longer even on a talking basis. You may not even be Facebook friends today. <laughs> and look, that comes with life. That comes with life. They're, they're, the, my best friend that I considered my best friend, I thought him and I were going to be best friends all through life. Both of us wanted to be in ministry. We would talk together. I mean, you're talking eight, nine-year-olds, uh, you know, having sleepovers and talking about churches. And I'm going to have you come preach at my church, and I'm going to come preach at your church. And, and he was musically talented. I played drums. He played drums, and he played. Uh, he ended up learning the guitar and the keyboard and everything else. And, uh, you know, we would talk about how we were going to do worship together. And this. We don't even talk today. Last time I saw him was his wedding. Last time I talked to him was his wedding. I was his best man. And then <laughs> that was it. I moved to Oklahoma to go to school. He got married and had a bunch of kids. And I mean, we, it, it, that's just life. Things come and go. But in the ministry, there is a responsibility that we have to find our fit, to find our fit. What is my role? What is my assignment? What is, where can I participate in the body of Christ? And I, I think that we have, as a culture, not as a church, anchor faith church, but as a church culture, uh, diminished the role and the value of the member versus the full-time minister, versus those that have the five-fold ministry gifts. You know, there's ministry gifts spoken of throughout the New Testament. It is not just limited to the five gifts that Jesus gives. You know, there's gifts that Jesus gave. There's gifts that God gave himself, gave to each of us a measure. Then there's gifts of the Holy Spirit, Nine gifts of the Spirit. And what I want to pick out today, what I want to identify today is that we each have a gift to bring to the body, to the church. Last week we talked about the focal point of the church and, and the broad vision, the broad spectrum of the church and how we reach the world, how we ignite the city, we impact the nation, we influence the world as a church globally. But today I want to focus on the local body church. Today I want to focus on our assignments, on our roles individually, and how we can participate. Uh, someone told me long ago when I first got into ministry that... Church is not for the spectator, it's for the participator. And 
church is not something that we just come and watch someone else do. Church is something that we come and we get in, get involved with, get in on, make an investment in. Um, and that's changed my life, not just preaching-wise, but that lets me know that I can put my hand to anything. I can put my hand to anything. Yesterday we had a workshop for all of our Treasure Harbor Preschool uh, workers and volunteers. What an awesome group. What an awesome outing we had. Great group of people. Just about everybody was there that serves with our children. Had an opportunity to pour into them and invest in them. See, church is an investment. I don't want this to be a waste of your time. It's definitely not a waste of my time. And so when you come with an investment mindset, I'm coming to give something away, not just to get something. Well, the getting follows the giving. And so I want to kind of focus on that today. If I had a title for the message, it would be Vision Participation. Because everything we've talked about this month, giving, you know, our families, uh, vision for our lives, running with the vision like Habakkuk chapter 2 says, write down the vision, make it clear, make it plain, bring clarity so that he who reads it can now run with it. Running with it is the doing. Running with it is the action that follows. So let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because the first thing I have to do before I talk about what you do, we've got to focus on who you are. Mr. David, if you wouldn't mind, there's a small refrigerator out here. If you would mind grabbing me a bottle of water out of there, please. Thank you. Coffee should never be the last thing you drink before you get up and speak. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, he's talking about the physical body now, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Thank you, sir. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, Slaves or free, what's that mean? That means it doesn't matter your background. Church is not, a, is not something you qualify for, naturally. Church is not where well, you had to be raised by good Christian parents. You know, I, my, my parents have to be together. Some of you may have had horrible backgrounds. That doesn't disqualify you. And some of us that have great backgrounds that are leaning and relying on that, are going to soon find out that the qualification is future, not past. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So he is pointing out here that the body of Christ can be likened to our physical bodies. Okay? Okay? And we've taught this before, we've looked at this before, but it bears repeating, it bears looking at again, that the body of Christ can be likened to our bodies. Well, my body up here before you today is one body, yet has many different members, many different parts 
that work in unity, function together, stay within their assignment. And so he goes on to explain this. Let's take a look. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the air, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God, everyone say God. Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. That verse right there will set some people free. Let's read it again. God has set the members, each one of them. He knows you. He knows your gift. He knows your role. He knows your potential. Each one of them in the body, not outside the body. Not off doing its own thing. Not off trying to have church at home. I don't need a pastor in the body just as he pleased. My goodness. That's the church. That's his church. Remember last week we identified there's a his church. There's a my church. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's the church that operates in authority in the earth today. That's the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the church that's been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever the church binds, heaven binds. And whatever the church looses, the heaven, heaven looses. We see this. So God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. I mean, we could just camp there. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary in those members of the body which we think to be less honorable. On those, we bestow greater honor. Our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which it lacks, that there should be no schism, no division in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ. He doesn't stop there. It's not a period. You are the body of Christ and members individually. Who you are defines what you do. Before... God begins talking about purpose. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm good. 
It just wants to turn forever. Excuse me. Wow, that was difficult. (laughs) Who you are defines what you do. Before God begins to talk about your purpose, he talks about who you are. He brings out your identity before he brings out your purpose. That's why he said, you are trees and you will bear fruit. You are the ocean and you will give birth to animals. You are a sun and you will give light to the day. You are a moon and you will give light to the night. Do we see this? Before purpose comes identity. Who you are defines what you do. So the first thing that we have to look at before we start talking about roles and assignments and your purpose in the body of Christ, we have to look at who are we as the body of Christ. So the body of Christ is one body, yet made up of many members. Individually set, individually placed by God himself as it pleases him. Within the body. Now, he gives several examples, the foot. The hand, the eye, the ear, the mouth. He's identifying individual roles. And he's identifying how the individual roles are all necessary to work in conjunction with each other. It's amazing how as soon as we begin to realize a role or assignment in our life, the enemy comes to try to talk you out of it. That quick. We need help in the children's ministry, and you come on, and immediately he starts attacking your role with the children. You're no good. These kids don't listen to you. They don't need you. They don't even know you're here. If you didn't come in this morning, I mean, they'd find someone else to do it. Start coming on the worship team and start singing. Immediately wants to start attacking your voice. You can't, are you sure you can want to be singing? You want to hold a microphone? And sing in front of all these people? You can't even sing in the shower. It's amazing. You don't know how many times as a pastor, I talk with people about the role and the assignment that they operate in in the church. Because the enemy comes behind me. As soon as I begin to pour into and invest in someone, he comes behind me and starts discrediting the very assignment that we just gave. Isn't that amazing? Paul's writing this because he's wanting you to understand whether you're an ear, whether you're a foot, whether you're a hand, whether you're a presentable part on the outside or a weaker part on the inside. You are necessary to the body of Christ. If I could just preach, if I could just say that for the rest of the time that we have together and hammer that home, you are necessary to the body of Christ. If the enemy can make you think you're unnecessary, he will withdraw you from your God-given potential and the assignment he's given you 
and it hinders the body. If any part of my body right now, any part, decides to quit functioning, if any individual part dysfunctions the whole body, will have a problem. The whole, my whole body will feel the pain. Doesn't matter if it's my pinky toe or my head. Doesn't matter if it's my heart, my kidney, my lungs. If any individual part decides to stop working, the whole body responds to that. And in turn, I won't be able to fulfill my purpose in the earth because I'm probably in a bedroom, if not a hospital room, laid up somewhere, not doing anything. Churches that hurt and churches that have dysfunction are only inward focused. Now, you know, when you're in a hospital room or you're sick at home, you ain't caring about nobody. I don't know how moms do it. There was one time a couple of years ago, a bug was going around and my wife and Camden both got it. I don't know how in the world you're supposed to take care of a kid that's doing the same thing you're doing. Neither of you can stay off the toilet. Neither of you can quit throwing up. How in the world do you do that? And moms are just gifted to do that. I couldn't do it. I'd have to call somebody or I'd have to, hey, man, you're on your own. Go get me some Gatorade. That's what you got to do. Churches that are hurting on the inside can only focus on the inside. Because we have to take care of the hurt on the inside before we can affect anything on the outside. That's why he says God composed the body. That there should be no schism, no division. Even those parts that we think are less honorable, even those parts that we think are less presentable, we bestow even greater honor. That's why we love children's ministry. Because I am tearing down. I'm going to start right here, and I'm going to tear down this culture mindset that our children's ministry is just babysitting, and we're begging you and pleading with you, please watch our kids. Can somebody please work in the pre-K room today? And you parents know you don't want to feel like we're having to drag people in a room to teach your kids on Sunday morning. And I don't either. And this mindset that they're just back there and they're just helping out and they're missing out on everything that's going on. Man, some of them are doing better than you are because they're putting, they're giving themselves, they're giving, they're serving. I mean, it, it happens. Sometimes they'll walk away getting something more out of our service than some of us sitting in a classroom, uh, sitting in a, in a service ourselves. That's happened to me. In services where I was taking notes and got to hear the pastor and got to be right there amening. And then go work a service the next weekend. And I walked away more excited, more passionate from serving with the kids than I was being in service. Why? Because I was giving. I was serving. That's what the body was designed to do. 
Not one person is designed to do it all. Not even the pastor. But again, this is where the enemy creeps in. This is where the enemy steps in. The enemy steps in and says, you're not important. You're not in five-fold ministry. Your, your gift, your assignment, your role, that's not as important as the pastor's. I value this role that I'm in, that God's called me to. But I value this role just as much as I did when Pastor Earl came to me and said, hey, we, we need to get another teacher, another set of teachers in our two- and three-year-old class. Can you and your wife do that? I remember we were playing flag football. Sunday afternoon, it was church flag football league. And after a game, I'm sitting on the grass, and pastor comes to me, sits down next to me on the grass, and says, hey. First he said, sorry we beat you so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Then he said, we'd like to utilize you and your wife and our two- and three-year-olds. Now, on the inside... I was excited. On the outside, I was not excited because I didn't enjoy kids at the time. Kids were not in my vision. I love how God will just switch things up on you, and if you obey, if you give yourself to it, it will end up leading you to where. If I did not go into children's ministry, if I did not pastor children, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I'm certain of it, certain And if I was doing this today, it would set me back at least three years. Because what I learned in pastoring children, what I learned in working with children, I utilize today. It set me up. It would have cost me time had I not done that. But he didn't have to beg me. He didn't have to plead with me. I didn't have to go home and pray about it. I said, yeah, I think we can do that. My wife loved kids. That wasn't going to be a problem. And we ended up doing the two- and three-year-old class every other Sunday. Then, children's pastor had to make a decision because she was trying to pastor the children on weekends and she was trying to run a preschool throughout the week. And so Pastor went to her and said, you've got to make a choice, one or the other. And she chose the preschool. So now we've got to find children's pastors. And because of the faithfulness and because of the serving that my wife had done for three years, from 2005 to 2008, just faithfully, every other Sunday, every other Wednesday, four times a month, out of service, four times a month, working with children, four times a month, for three years, they called us and said, We'd like to have you guys take over our children's ministry because of faithfulness, because of getting in a fit, in a role. Sometimes we even think that the fit or the assignment has to be something that you believe you're going to do long term or that you have to have a passion for. I had no passion for children. The passion came in the serving. I can tell you that today. I didn't have to go and pray over it. I didn't have to ask God to give me uh, the gift of working with children. God, you're going to have to anoint me. 
No, it came in the doing. And sure, the first couple services, I was just on the back of the wall. My wife was doing all the work, and I'm just kind of, okay, don't get too close. When the skittle. Yeah, they love coming to me. I just gave out candy. But the passion came in the doing, in the serving. Took over the children's ministry, which set me up for pastoring as a senior pastor. Not one person is designed to do it all. Where I was going with that was I value what I'm doing today just as much as I value that. And and, and honestly, those of you that serve in our Elevate Supportive Ministries in any area, you know there's a high demand. We ask that you're in the Word on a daily basis. We ask that you have a prayer life on a daily basis not just when things are going bad. We ask that you attend as many services as possible, even outside of serving. We ask a lot, and I understand that, but that's only because I value the role that you're in. If I didn't value it, then I would say, hey, don't worry about being in the Word. Show up late. You know, Just come when you can. You can only serve, serve once this month. That's fine. Don't worry about it. We need you four times, but just, just once. There's no value in that. There's no care. But when I value your gift, I want you in the assignment. When I value your gift, I want you at your best, at your excellence, with the highest standard. And that's why we have high standards in ushering. That's why we have high standards in worship ministry. That's why we have high standards for our children's ministry. We're not lazy. We're not lackadaisical about it. We're, we're, not, uh, uh, you know, we're not trying to bring in dysfunction. And I believe today that especially at the size where we are a very functional church. At least I don't see it. I don't see division. I don't see schisms. I don't see backbiting and gossiping. I don't see it. I see a family. I see a tight-knit core. I, I, I see ushers that go and hang out with each other throughout the week. Ushers that are doing nursing home ministry together and going to get coffee and going fishing with each other. Because where you serve has developed a tighter knit and a tighter bond and has brought unity. Nothing gets accomplished when you're not unified. Nothing. Not one person is designed to do it all, not even the pastor. The enemy wants to come in and say, don't worry about the pastor's got it. Don't worry about the pastor can do it. Or you're not as important. He doesn't even notice what you're doing. No, every role, every assignment. I mean, if I came up here and said, hey, guys, I need to confess to you. I haven't been, I haven't read my Bible in about a month. You wouldn't be too excited, would you? No, you wouldn't. You'd come rip the microphone out of my hand and say, why don't you go read your Bible and then maybe you got something to say to us. But yet that's a requirement that we have all down the line at any level. Be in the Word. Be built up spiritually. Not just hearing me preach, but reading it. Amen. That's valuing your role. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. 
Verse 3 says this, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul wrote the book of Corinthians, both of them. We don't fully know the writer of Romans, yet we do perceive it to be Paul. And you can see the likening of the language. It's the same sentence. Many members, one body. Many members, one body. We need each other, and we need each other in the right fit. We need each other, and we need each other in the right fit, in the right assignment. Now, this is a difficulty that sometimes we have in church, because we think that if we believe that we have the gift, that we should be able to do it. But not just anybody is going to come up here and hold a microphone and sing. I mean, if you don't have the gift, there's another gift. There's one thing, there's something about gifts that sometimes we miss. Gifts are identifiable. Many times, people, other people, will see a gift in you before you see it. Many times, other people will identify you. You've got a gift there. And you'd be like, oh, what? Never really saw it that way. See, sometimes we think we have gifts to do stuff that we really don't have a gift to do. It might be a passion, it might be a desire, and it may be something that we have to grow in. Just watch the first four weeks of American Idol. Yeah, I mean, we sit there and watch the show and we think, how can you be so clueless? You really? And they cuss and they scream and they yell at Simon. You're crazy, man. Why? Because somebody gave them an opportunity to sing somewhere that shouldn't have. I sing in my church choir. You shouldn't. And that's why you're in the church choir. And you're in the last row of the church choir. And that microphone's way up there at the front. You're back by the baptistry. And they don't hear you. <laughs> yeah. That, that's where you put the ones that, hey, you know, I don't know. But, hey, we don't want to hurt their feelings. Look, there's no room for getting feelings hurt in, 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 in the church because this is the exciting thing. If that's not the gift, something else is, and we'll find it. If you just give us the opportunity, you may be great with kids. You may be awesome with tech. You may have a gift in another area. You may be awesome at being an usher or greeting and uh, ushering people into the presence of God, hosting people. But we shut down. That's an attack of the enemy, guys. That is how the enemy works. Because he can keep you unfruitful by thinking you're good at this when you're not. Let's call it for what it is. So we need each other. 
But we need each other in the right role, in the right fit, in the right area. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I had a conversation about two months ago with my pastor, Pastor Earl. And, um, you know, things in St. Augustine, when we got there, moved pretty quick, real quick. In three years, we were running close to 200 people. We uh, were finally leasing our own space. By about this time, we're getting ready to enter into our fourth year. By the beginning of our third year in St. Augustine, we were leasing our own space. We had started in a middle school. We had Anchor Faith Life classes were in full operation. Sunday school classes before church service. On top of that was morning prayer. We had a full-on flag football league within our church, not competing with other churches, meaning that we were able to make up about six or seven teams out of our own church, six-man teams, with ages 15 and up. That's a lot of people. Rapidly growing, rapidly took off. We got a lot of people here that were here in those beginning stages. This was my flag football buddy right here. Her and I tore it up. Unstoppable. Well, she was really unstoppable. I just had to get the ball in her hands. Any team she was on, she would kill it. They eventually, uh, you know, we made a rule where uh, you could only have a certain, like, you know, some. you had to have one teenager and one girl. And she was not, she did not qualify as a girl. She didn't. I'm not even lying. I'm telling the truth. If you picked her, you still had to pick another girl. That's how good she is. But do we... Anyway, so doing a lot of stuff early on. And, um, you know, at, at, at this stage and in this ministry and that... Honestly, I didn't come here with a full-on expectation of at this time we're going to do this. At this time, I didn't. This is a different dynamic. This is a different demographic. It's a different calling. It's a different assignment. And I believe we're right where we need to be. But I had this conversation with Pastor Earl about two months ago, and he said, you, one thing you've got to identify is you're just now entering into phase one just now entering into year one of ministry. Because what we don't see behind all that is when Pastor Earl and Marcy moved to St. Augustine, Florida, we had 14 Rama graduates that all picked up and moved. On top of that, a lot of us were single guys that just have all kinds of time in the world to just do anything. We can work two or three jobs at a time, which puts us in front of more people. We can stay late and we can get up early. We have five families on our ministry head core team right now. 
every single one of us is 25 to 35 with young kids. And one thing that my wife and I have realized is that children can slow things down. (laughs) Children can limit some things. This past weekend, we... Uh, my wife and I pushed Camden pretty hard. And, um, you know, today they're at home because he's got some symptoms that he's being healed of this morning. But we were up here. Sunday we were up here probably till about 8 o'clock. Monday night we were up here till about another 7 o'clock. Getting ready for this workshop this past week up here, late nights again, early mornings, just running. But it limits you. And when you look at the dynamics, it's not the same. It's just not. And we are just now, the preparation that has taken place in the last three years, I've got to tell you this, guys, you've got to see this. Because I have my pulse. I have my finger on the pulse of this ministry in this church. I see this. The preparation time is never wasted time. And this thing is for people that want to stick it out. This thing is for people that want to grow. This thing is for people that know that it's going to be different one day than it is today. And that's not to say we're in a bad place because where we're at today is much different than where we were three years ago. For those of you that were here three years ago. And so that's just where we're at. And where we're at today is a result of people getting in place. And where we're going to be at three years from now is going to be a result of people getting in their fit. Participate. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That's the fivefold ministry gifts. In verse 10, it says that Jesus gave gifts unto men. Those are the gifts. For the equipping of the saints, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We had this saying at Rama: ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. It's work. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. I mean, this is why the fivefold ministry gifts are given. The equipping of the saints, the edifying, building up, encouraging. I mean, discouraged people want to stay home. But this tells me right here, one of the quickest ways to be encouraged is get in church. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That statement. I almost want to go to Paul and say, why did you put that in there? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's work. Till we're all unified around one faith, one belief, one God, one Lord. Not your idea and my idea, your opinion and my opinion. To the knowledge to the son, of the Son of God. To a perfect man. Now, perfect doesn't mean you never mess up. Perfect means I'm mature. A perfect man. 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you think we have high standards at Anchor Faith Church, read this passage. Here's the standards of the church. That the saints are doing the work of ministry. That the saints are encouraged and built up. That we are in unity of the faith. And that we have knowledge of the Son of God. That we're a perfect, mature person. And that we are at the measure of the stature of Christ. (laughs) Those are some high standards. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love that we, we, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. I love that he used the word joint, not muscle, not bone, not organ. He says every joint supplies because the word joint tells me I have to be connected to something else. See, a muscle can bring a supply in and of itself. A bone can bring a supply in and of itself. An organ, a heart, a lung can bring a supply in and of itself. But to be a joint means that you are connecting two things together, which means I have to be connected to one or the other to operate in my fit. That we may grow up into all things. We have a responsibility to grow up spiritually. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. Every part. And the result causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. In love. So as I am edifying and pouring into you, you are being strengthened and grown up, grown up, uh, grow, grown up, grown up to the point that now you can encourage yourself. We can feed each other. In essence. This passage is stating this. Don't be a spectator. Become a participator. Don't be a spectator. Become a participator. Church is something we participate in. Church is something we get involved in. Church is something we give to. In essence, it's changing the mindset of what can I get to what can I give. I don't ever come through these doors with a mindset of what am I going to get today. Now, that doesn't mean I don't get anything. But in the kingdom, giving precedes getting. Giving comes before getting. Before I can receive, I have to give something away. That's how the kingdom of God works. You qualify to get because you're first a giver. You don't have to be a full-time minister to do full-time ministry. 
And if I can just put it this way, we are all full-time ministers. Because when you learn that you are the church, then you can be the church anywhere. Church isn't just what we do here on Sundays and Wednesdays. Church is what we do out in the world. We come to a church service to be trained up and encouraged so that when we get out in the world, we can be the church. And I've been thinking on this for pretty much all summer long, getting ready for this next piece that I want to give you. But I want you to know our core values. What do we value? What is it, if we could sum it up, what do we want to exemplify? We know our, our, our mission is to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. But as a local body church, what are our core values? Number one, we are a loving church. See, what this is going to identify is everything that we've covered. This is how you can participate. In our participation, this is how we exemplify. Number one, we are a loving church. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When people come in contact with this church, they should come in contact with the love of God. God is love. And if we are the body of Christ, everything we, should, everything we do should exemplify his love. From the songs we sing to the, the messages we preach to the smiles and the handshakes at the door to drop off and pick up of your children, we are to exemplify the love of God. We said last week that when we touch people, God touches people. Because we're the body of Christ. Some of you may be the only love they ever get from God. They ever see. That may open the door. Love opens the door. So number one, we are a loving church. Number two, we are a giving church. We are a giving church. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. We just said it, receiving or uh, giving qualifies you for receiving. Now, there's multiple ways we can give. Obviously, number one that comes to mind is financially. And we are to support the local body church financially through our tithe and offering, not or, and. There's a 10% that automatically belongs to God. He said, will you rob me in this? Will you, will you keep the 10% that I've already marked off as mine? 10% income. Easy math. Percentage. Doesn't matter if you made $10 or 
or $1,000. There's a percentage, 10%, that he's already marked off. Offering is as the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. It may be vision giving. It may be offering given towards a specific assignment that we're doing within the church. But offering isn't, you know, Kingdom Institute tuition I gave to the church today. Offering isn't I paid for the the Caller Blessed Cruise that's coming up here in a couple months. That's not offering. No, offering is beside that. Tithe and offering. You support the church financially. Giving. But also give of our time. Give of our time and also give of our talent, our service. Whatever the talent, whatever that gift that we talked about earlier may be. But the body is bringing every joint supplies, doing its share, causes growth of the body. We can give of our resource. Give of our resource. Now, I don't believe that, uh, you know, God deserves to, God wants the stuff that we were going to throw away anyways. Okay? Just going to go ahead and throw that out there. God did not accept the leftovers. There's a heart motive to it. There's a heart motive. The things, the resources that come in here ought to be useful, ought to be excellent, ought to be uh, uh, used for the kingdom of God. But he wants the best that we have in our finance. He wants the best that we have with our time. He wants the best that we have with our talent. And he wants the best that we have of our resource. There's giving. We are a giving church. And on top of that, we're a giving church to this city. We will give back to this community. We will give back to those around us. We will give back to other ministries that are advancing the kingdom of God that God has called and placed here. We will give back. So we're a loving church. We're a giving church. We are a doing church. We are a doing church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 says that the fivefold ministry, we read this, is given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There's a work to do. There's a work to do. And it's not just up to the pastor. There's a work to do. And it's not just up to those that have moved from far locations. There's a work to do. And we all have a part to play in the work. We're a doing church. And we do the word. Let me just throw that one in there. James chapter 1 verse 22 tells us that we're not hearers only, but we are doers of the word. Doers. Live it out. Now let me show this to you. It's not just what we do. It's how we do it. Some people just want to do stuff just for the sake of doing something. But we are not just a doing church just to get it done. And one of the things that I'm focused on as a pastor at the stage that we're at, now that we have developed some things, is not just do stuff, but do it right. I believe that God 
wants excellence. This is talking about how we operate. We don't want to just do an usher ministry. We want to do usher ministry with excellence. And if we can't do it right yet, if we can't nail that down, then we're not going to do it. We're not just going to do worship ministry. We're not just going to learn a song because everybody else is learning it. If we can't do it right, if we can't get the note down, if we can't get the chords down, if we can't get the song down, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do anything halfway. I would rather do two things at 100% than five things at 50%. We're going to do things with excellence. There have been people within this church that have given us great ideas for doing different things. And if you're wondering why we haven't incorporated it yet, it's because we can't do it right yet. And when we can do it right, we'll do it. Period. I believe that God wants the best. We're going to raise the standard in ministry. Uh, I'm I'm tired of this idea in America especially that the world has to do everything better than the church. I'm tired of it. Why do they get all the best singers? Why do they get all the best creative people? Why do they get all the best uh, musicians? Why do they get the best speakers? We're doing Kingdom Institute this year, and... Uh, you know, last year was our first year to do it here. And so our instructors that we have were kind of thrown into it. I'm really the only one out of the whole group that's really had a consistent amount of time ministering and speaking and teaching. And so I told them, I said, this next year, for our second year, if you're going to teach, you're going to go through an instructor's training course with me. And we've been doing that for the last four weeks. Today's our fourth week. And just teaching how to communicate and how to teach just natural things. Oh, I have a gift to teach, Pastor. You don't don't need to do that. No, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. If you really value the gift, then you'll invest in the gift. We're going to do it right. We are a loving church. We are a giving church. We are a doing church. Lastly, we are a growing church. We are a growing church. We've said this from day one. We're not a small church. We're a beginning church. Because nothing that God does is small. Nothing. I don't care if we had three people in here. And there was a day where I literally ministered and there was three people. Just bring Camden on in here, man. Me, my wife, Camden, and... One other person. Two other people. We've done it. Because God doesn't see anything as small. And I'm recording it, and there may be someone. I've had people. I had someone from Michigan tell me that they were listening to our messages. Michigan. So, hey, I'll preach by myself. Because somebody's going to hear it at some point. If anything, I'll hear it. I'm being encouraged. We are a growing church. Anything that is living is growing. Dead stuff doesn't grow. You quit growing when you die. Anything that is living is growing. We're going to grow both in numbers and spiritually. And the priority is growing up spiritually. Just go ahead and let you know. I'd rather have 
a hundred people that are spiritually fit, mature, ready to go out and do the work of the kingdom than a thousand people that don't want to apply the word and live by it. That will always be what I stress. That will always be our priority. Now, here's the thing about growing. Growing requires cutting. Both in numbers and spiritually. At this stage in the game, we have cut. Cutting. Because pruning allows more growth. You've got to get the dead stuff out of the way. Now, that's, that's, that's not an offense to anybody. That's not saying that anybody was, uh, you know, in the way necessarily, but they were just ineffective for what we were doing here. If God's called you somewhere else, don't hang around here and cause dissension and disruption. Two visions is division. So either get 100% behind what God is doing or get 100% behind what God is doing somewhere else. I'm not saying we're the church for everybody, but if God's called you here, then let's get in our fit, let's get in our assignment, let's submit and be obedient, and let's run with the vision that God's given us. I don't know about you, there's too much dying and nastiness going on in the world for their dying and nastiness to be inside here. We need as much life in here as possible so we can go out there and change all that junk. We can't change anything around us until we change what's in us. But we're going to grow spiritually. That means you're going to cut things out of your life. Three years from now, two years from now, one year from now, you ought to be a different person spiritually. You ought to be doing something different. You ought to be doing less of one thing and more of another thing. Somewhere. That's spiritual growth. I said it yesterday in our workshop. I will be a better pastor in five years than I am today. Because I will grow. And I will cut things off that need to be cut off in my life. There's music that I don't listen to today that three years ago I used to listen to. There's shows that I used to watch that I don't watch anymore. And that's not saying they're bad. I'm not up here to give you an example of what's good and what's bad. For me and for my life and where God has me, I've had to cut it off. Paul said that one of the signs of immature people is they take uh, their belief systems and dump it on everybody else. I don't get up here and tell people you can't drink and you can't smoke. Let God deal with that in your own life. Now, I can identify when it becomes a problem in your life. But isn't it interesting that the, the, the person that believes it's okay to drink as a Christian, they try to recruit everybody. It's okay, man. Come drink with me. We're all Christians. We're all saved. Look, I'm not recruiting you to quit, so you don't need to recruit me to do it. What God's given to you, Don't give me your liberties. Don't press your liberties on me. You want to go drink, then go drink all by yourself. And when God deals with you, deal with it. And if you don't, you'll stand before him. You won't stand before me. I'll be standing next to you saying, well, did you do it? (laughs) Come on, we're all going to stand before God with something in our lives. I'll stand there just like this, and you'll look over at me, and I'll say, what? He said it. I didn't tell you not to drink. I didn't tell you not to smoke, whatever else we want to, the liberties that we want to live on the line with. 
We're a growing church. That means things are going to have to be cut off. We have vision partnership coming up this coming weekend, Saturday. I'm believing we're going to have a great group of people that have been pouring in. You know, we, we saw a lot, a lot of people come through the doors last year. And let me speak to that for a moment, if you'll let me. I needed that. Okay? They're not all here today. They're not all here today. One year, because we did Vision Month last year, had a great group of people, had guests streaming through the doors. They're not all here. But let me tell you, as a pastor, I needed that to confirm, number one, that people are hearing about us. To confirm, number two, that the Holy Spirit does draw people. Not everyone that comes is going to stay. But if we had gone through that season with nobody walking through the doors, for me as a pastor, just I'm just being transparent, I, I, it, we'd be in a different position today. But I was encouraged to see new faces. I was encouraged. And we have new faces coming through the doors even now. And I believe we'll have a great group next vision partnership. And I believe that they'll stay. I believe that. What's the option? I think they're going to come to vision partnership and never come back. (laughs) No, I'm going to believe they're going to come. They're going to get connected. And we're going to grow this thing one person at a time, one family at a time, one child at a time. I believe that. But it's encouraging to me. It may not do that for you when we see new faces come to the door, but when I see a man, I'm encouraged because I love people. That's why we're here is to reach people. And God may draw them here, and God may say, hey, I need you to try something else. That's all right because I know my mandate. I know the vision that God's given me, and I know that we are going to accomplish what he's called us to do. We will ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. That will happen. It'll happen with 15. It'll happen with 1,500. It will happen. The world's the one that sets the standard that says you've got to have a lot to do a lot. I think we're doing a lot today. I know lives. I can look out at faces. I know that lives that are transformed. I know that marriages that are still together. I know children that are still following God as a result of this ministry, period. And I don't take credit for it. But I thank God that I stayed in my fit, stayed in my role, and we've done this thing. Three years is not a long time. I can't believe it's been as long as it has been, to be honest with you. October 16th will mark the beginning of four years that my wife and I have been pastoring every Sunday morning for this church. And this church has been here even longer than that. And we're going to keep going, keep doing what God has called us to do. Here's our responsibility, if I could break it down. Number one, to attend regularly. Number two, serve faithfully. Number three, contribute financially. And number four, grow spiritually. If I could break it down, what is... What, what's my role? What, what can I do? You know, we, we, we talked about the purpose that God has for our lives. And last year we did a series on knowing the will of God. 
And sometimes it's not so much in knowing exactly what the assignment is versus how can I operate in that assignment when it comes. And God is asking all of us, as a local body church, in a world that's diminishing church, even churches are diminishing church. They're meeting less. They're coming together less. They're not valuing it as much. And if that's what God told them to do, then great. But I believe for every church member, and you know we don't have church membership. It's vision partnership. You partner with the vision. And when you partner, we ask that you attend regularly. It's hard to be connected to a church when you're not here a lot. I know there's travels, I know there's time, I know there's things that get busy, but on those Sunday mornings and on those Wednesday nights when you're just tired and wore out, I encourage you to knock it all out of the way and say, I'm going no matter what, I'll be there. Serve faithfully. Find an area to get involved in and put your hand to something, even if it's just once a month. Let God use you. Contribute financially. Contribute financially. Allow God to speak to you financially. Allow God to stretch you financially. Some of us, you know, we've been coming a long time and we've been tithing and tithing consistent, man. We do that. And we haven't had the conversation lately. God, is there something more you want me to do financially? Is there something more? You want to stretch? You want me to give another five bucks a month? I mean, you are, man, you are consistent with that tithe, no problem. But does God want to stretch you? And lastly, grow spiritually. Let's be doers of the word. Let's be doers of the word, not hearers only. Let's apply the word as it's given. Let's allow the seed that takes, that's sown in our hearts. Look, I have to grow spiritually. I don't automatically grow up spiritually. That's not a, a, you know, an automatic result of being a pastor. Uh, you don't have to put any focus. No, I do. And I'm at more risk than any of you because I'm in it daily on a daily basis. But am I really having true time with God or am I just studying to get something? That's a tough place to be in. This church can grow. This church can be effective for the kingdom. This church can advance the kingdom. And it's going to take all of us doing our part. In closing out this vision month, to encourage you for what God is going to do in our lives, I want to show you, again, this this year for us, we are celebrating 10 years as Anchor Faith Church Ministry, what began in St. Augustine in 2004, and where we're at today. So if the ushers would grab the lights, I want to play a quick Video, this is our 10-year video. Just to look back. God was always trying to remind his people, look back on my faithfulness. Look back. Did I not come through for you? Let this be an encouragement to you this morning, and then we'll close. How many realizes that your pastor has a vision, and that he imparts the vision to you? And then with the Lord's help, you and the pastor and the leadership team fulfill the vision that God has for St. John's County.
the church is going to be triumph. This is the church that's going to go forth. This is the church that's going to do the works like they did in the book of Acts. You are my God. You are my King. You are my life, my everything. I will stand unashamed for morning that exponential is upon us and that each one's gifts are necessary the partnership is necessary because it takes every one of us to carry the load you are my life my Now that you've entered into the seventh year, understand that the seventh year in my holy word is a time of rest. It's a time of doubling up. It is not a time to cease from your labor, but a time to move into a place of trusting the Lord. Season of opposition, he says. The enemy has attempted to discourage and detune. But be strong in the Lord. The power of his might. Remain steadfast and endure. Why? Because the tide is turning. The day of victory's here. The devil's defeated. It's going to be a glorious year. It's time that we arise by faith and claim the St. John's County for the glory of God. And I will use you, saith God, to bring forth revival. For the Lord is preparing you to take you over into the next realm, to move you over into the next phase, and it shall be a glorious time. For the pastor is anointed, and he has a word that he will deliver to you, and he shall lead you into the next phase that the Lord has prepared for you. And if you'll hook up, join in, and allow the Spirit of the Lord to unite your hearts together, you will truly experience the glory of the Lord in your life.
Father, I just want to thank you that you're building the church at anchor of faith, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many realizes Father, we that thank your you. pastor has a vision, and that he Father, we thank you this morning that we can each be a part of the vision that you have called us to. The vision is greater than each one of us, but it requires all of us. All of us in our fit, all of us in our place, all of us in our assignment. Father, there's nothing like serving you. There's nothing like living for you. But your church is the entity that we are to give our greatest investment. Father, I thank you for these last three years, those that you have called alongside us. Those that you have brought to this place for such a time as this. Whether from far or from near, Father, I thank you that they have committed themselves, dedicated themselves faithfully to serve you. Father, much is going to be accomplished through this church, through this ministry. As we move forward into these next years, Father, grow us. As we grow individually, Father, I thank you that you will grow this church. You will make a greater impact. Continue to advance your kingdom. Father, we love you. We honor you. We praise you this morning. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.